Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me, Richard Oldberger, PhD, and host of the Richard Liston podcast. Today, I am honored and humbled to have a guest from my past that I knew growing up, Allie Kessler, who is a parent and child advocate. She's here on a rather sobering note and serious matter involving child protection and protecting our children from harm when there's mental illness involved. Allie has gone on, Allie Kessler, to have Grayson's Law uh, approved on December 1st of 2021, which goes to protecting children when there's fear of danger or harm. This show is in honor of Grayson and to bring awareness to what many go through in trying to get the courts to protect them when there is violence and mental health at stake in the home. This is a serious topic, and I hope that this helps increase the nationwide awareness about what can be done and what protections are being put in place and changes are being put out there. This is to highlight Allie's brave story as she is willing to share her voice and her experience in the face of something profoundly traumatic and incredibly sad. We hope that this recording reaches all of you in that it makes us look a little bit closer and act a little bit safer with those we are concerned for and also increases your knowledge of what protections there are out there for you and also gives you an advocate should you ever need help or assistance and lets you know about some of the outlets there are for you. Thank you all for tuning in, for caring closely, for your children, your families, your loved ones through the pandemic and beyond when facing mental health and struggles with forming families, divorce, broken relationships, and cases where someone we may have been connected to at one point begins to struggle or show signs of exacerbated mental illness. Without further ado, I'll be welcoming in Allie Kessler. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Allie. Tell us a little bit about, you're a parent advocate now, a child advocate. Has this become your calling? Has this become like a full-time job at this stage? Uh, yes, pretty much. It has taken on, obviously, a life of its own. And it's nothing that I ever dreamt about, thought about, or ever imagined my life to be. But none of this is. And it's really the only thing that I could think of that would get me out of bed each morning. This is nothing that I imagined, but it is the only thing that uh, will get me out of bed each day and will hopefully make a change to see some reform in family courts, which is uh, archaic at this point. And, you know, help save children and and putting children's safety first, which is something that is currently not in place. Yeah, Yeah, is it a Florida problem or is it a nationwide challenge? Oh, it is nationwide. I am in constant contact with other, I want to say mother, they're actually mothers, but it can be go either way, parents who have been through exactly my same situation. And they've also have new bills and laws in place in their state. Uh, specifically uh, Caden's Law in Pennsylvania, Kira's Law in New York. It is definitely nationwide. I get messages daily on Facebook from all over the country saying, you don't know me, but I have a similar story or I need some advice on on how to deal with XYZ. And yes, it is definitely not just Florida. However, this is where I need to start the change because obviously this is where I live and this is 
where the court failed me and Grayson. How has it been for you in terms of receiving support as a as a mother? What what's the reception been like, or what type of support is so, there for grief? I mean, support has been unbelievable. I, I would not be here today if it wasn't for the continued support that I have received since you know we we found Grayson's body from just my close and personal friends organizing you know his funeral. <laughs> and uh you know my what what i'm gonna wear to it and then obviously setting up a gofundme and figure and you know letting people know that i'm going to need financial help while i grieve and get all of this in order i have you know gotten community support from local senators and house representatives and city officials and uh, every you know charity under the sun, even in California, I was I received an award from California Protective Parents just a few months ago, and then we helped create a Family Court Awareness Month. You know, to create shed some light that there is an issue in the family court system, and you know we're putting this powerful branch of judiciary uh, into the hands of judges and lawyers that are just not trained in this type of domestic violence. You know they're they're looking for you know gun gun wounds and and blood and scars when in fact you know i didn't have that i had i had plenty of evidence over the last four years to show why i was concerned for my son yeah i saw several hundred pages of documents is that right yep they were all just you know it's called coercive control where someone uses you know manipulation and uh, gaslighting techniques to sort of, you know, get control over the other parent. And ultimately it takes a toll on me. I had to, you know, actually get to the point where I had to get my lawyer to put in writing that we couldn't even use text messaging to communicate with each other. We had to use an app called Talking Parents because the messages that we're getting were out of control. But of course that didn't work because he just was above the law apparently. Yeah, it just escalated from there. But I've been asking for help from the court literally since I found out I was pregnant. Wow. What things can, you know, parents do or look out for? What can they do if they find themselves concerned about, you know, a past partner or current partner? And and is it, you know, is it a concern about mental illness or is it a concern about the level of domestic violence they're experiencing? It really depends it's case by case, which is something that also state laws don't usually apply. They usually have a blanket law that, you know, applies to everyone as a whole, when in fact, uh, each case in family court should be looked upon for the specific details of that specific case. I mean, obviously these types of coercive control usually stems from other kind of psychological and mental disorders. You know, he, in my case, John was clearly narcissist, which doesn't seem like it's so bad, right? He obviously is a sociopath and, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, personality traits that were red flagged from day one that my lawyer saw, my friends and family saw. However, the court don't see. John wasn't involved in my in the birth of, of my whole pregnancy or was here for Gray's birth. He filed for paternity when Gray was six months old and was from New Jersey. He came in, he told the judge that he was here to rescue his son. And of course, you know, to a male judge, he was like, wow, I applaud you. Yay. 
for being the superhero you are to come in and now at six months old want to you know take responsibility for for a child that should never be the case a child is never property a child should never be you know somewhat controlled it is something that we were supposed to eventually co-parent but you can't co-parent with someone who was a narcissist and believes the child should never been born this is so incredibly painful and are there any kind of grief groups or anything that provide any kind of solace i know you've done it of course yeah no i see a grief counselor every week there are different events that i hope i'm starting uh the charity grayson's choice Dot org when that is funded and when I you know do get it up and running part of my mission for that is to provide more workshops more conferences more things to not only to provide the training that all custody evaluators and lawyers and judges should see so they can recognize these red flags so that way when someone like me comes in to the courthouse and asks for an injunction for domestic violence they don't literally deny it within seconds and then you know the child is found dead the next day that is definitely something you know that i've been working with people on setting up you know those types of workshops and just groups for people and uh, other people going through domestic violence in their home and coercive control and custody and you know there's just so many different avenues in this one topic can go so many different ways they're talking uh, about children and family service evaluators in, in florida yeah they have gals they're called guardians at, at lightum i personally never had one in my situation however i hear from others that it is a nightmare <laughs> and that these evaluators are just clueless into you know what's really going on you know they might show up and they might see something but they are not trained either in the proper in the properly channeled area of, of this type of domestic violence because that's part of the problem and that's what grayson's law is trying to do grayson's law among a few things number one is to get the definition of domestic violence to expand coercive control manipulation gaslighting these types of personality and mental trait that will ultimately not only hurt each parent but ultimately the child for, um, for those of my listeners and i know there's a lot of books and a lot of literature and it's a very popular topic and very relevant for all age groups right now the term gaslighting could you explain it the experience of that is like <laughs> in a relationship and it's using manipulation and almost twisting the other person's words completely around to make the other person seem like the victim and i swear i would have conversations with john where he would literally take something I said, change it into whatever it is he heard in his head, and then come out with something completely different, almost like a game of telephone. And then I'm just like, I did not say that. I never even implied that. I don't know what you're talking about. And yet it makes me look like I was guilty of something. It's really quite impressive how some people are just masterful at these types of, you know, manipulation. You know, John didn't make it a secret that he was in a cult, you know, right out of college and had brainwashing techniques and, and all of these things. And I told this to my lawyer from day one. We told it to the judge. Apparently, nobody actually looked at these types of, you know, things in your past. You know, as long as they're not abusing the child outright and, you know, they have a job and they want to be present, they're going to be present. 
I told everyone from day one, I was verbally abused daily. Grayson wasn't wanted by John. He didn't want to pay for anything. He didn't want to pay for camp. He didn't want to pay for school. He made my life a living hell. He told me every single day that his goal in life was to make me miserable. And um, he wanted me to suffer as much as he did by moving here because he thinks that I ruined his life by having Grayson and that he had to pick up where he was in New Jersey and come here and rescue his child and leave his family and friends and career. And that was that. Meanwhile, I never asked him to come here. I never wanted anything from him. I literally told him I would gladly accept no child support if he would sign over his right. Of course, being the narcissist he is, he's up here, I'm down here. He would never do that because it's more about power. He tried to get me to change Grayson's last name because it's Kessler and we weren't married. We barely even dated. We weren't living together. He wasn't even there for the birth. Why on earth would Grayson have his last name? It's clearly just about power. I love that you keep Grayson so present in our memories and you share all the the joyous times. How... I have to. I don't want to forget it. I don't want. I don't want him to be just a distant memory. You know, every day that goes by, I'm still living in the apartment that he was just in. I see his shoes are still by the front door. His bedroom is intact. I haven't touched a thing. I can feel his presence. I can hear him. I don't want to forget him. So every day when I open my Time Hub app and I see what we did last year and and the year before and the year before. I don't want to, I don't want to forget. And I don't want the world to, to forget because this was one of the most vibrant, happy, funniest little boys that one could ever met. He was, his laugh was infectious everywhere. He went ev at school or camp. Everyone wanted to be his best friend. I mean, we're talking about such a happy kid, even in the midst of a high cut, you know, custody conflict you know, situation. He was just so happy. And I did everything in my power to make him have that sense of security, doing fun outings with him every day and, and, you know, picking him up from school every day. You know, I put my career on the back burner. So that way, even on John's scheduled parenting time, I still picked up Grayson every day from school and took him here and spent as much time with him as possible. Amazing. And I feel his presence and I feel your love for him. I wish I had a chance to meet him. What was what was he like with his classmates? What was his uh, MO in the class? He always told jokes. He always sang songs. He, he was very excited. His teacher told me that they were getting two potties in the classroom and he was going to be able to pee with his friends. Um, he loved water slides. So we used to go to every hotel nearby and go down the water slides. He loved virgin pina coladas. He loved, he just loves being silly and he loved, you know, chocolate chip pancakes every morning. And he loved cuddling with our dog in bed and he loved late night snacks. He would eat salami in bed and it was like just our ritual. And th <laughs> these are things that, you know, if he had a choice, if Grayson had a choice, he would have lived. And Grayson didn't get that choice. And his death was 100% preventable. It's not like there was an accident or he was sick or something. I begged the court to list me the day before and they just denied it. And what's really crazy, and this is the whole point of Grayson's law, is that two days after Grayson was found dead, my stalking injunction was approved. Basically, it's saying that the court saw John as as harmful to me and enough to get a restraining order for me, which means we would have had to have 
our drop-offs and pickups at our local police station every two days. However, he was still fit enough to be a parent. And even though he can harm me or anyone else in the world, as long as he's not hurting the child, then it's okay, which makes absolutely no sense in any realm of logic to me. If a person is hurting another human being, then there's a problem. That's like, you know, I hate to say something so crazy, but it's like, let's say Hitler had a child. Oh, he's not hurting the child. He's just hurting all of their, you know, half the population. I mean, it's just making, it makes no sense. Yeah. In California, when they reevaluate an inmate for re-release, they do do certain predictive violence measures. Do you know if he ever had to go through any kind of psych testing or anything that would show a propensity for violence or if they include that? I asked case. for a psych eval. I asked my lawyer to get a psych eval um, in 2019. He was, his behavior was once again erratic. He called the police on himself one day and honked the horn in front of my house for three hours. It was just not. And I was like, this is just not normal. This is just not normal behavior. But, you know, everyone that I spoke to was like, I'm so sorry, da, 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 this is crazy, he's bipolar, whatever. So she filed for a psych eval, and then I see it listed in the in our local clerk documents, but nothing ever went into fruition. He never, it, it never happened. I don't know where exactly the ball was dropped, but it never happened. Um, even if it had happened, I'm not even sure that it would have helped because when you at that level of narcissism, you would pass any time of type of psych evals that they're probably looking for because they're not looking for the things that I need them to look for. On paper, he was a perfect father. Even, you know, people that, you know, his teachers and 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 what, what they're like, oh, he always packed his snacks. He always had extra clothes. You know, he, on paper, he had a job, he had an apartment, he had everything that he needed. And even if he did take a psych test eval, like I'm pretty sure he would have passed it. Remember I do that. know that I, I have text messages from him stating when I was pregnant that, you know, due to the being in a cult and he suffered severe post-traumatic stress disorder and he's had mental issues and this and that. But of course, when I brought this to the judge in the initial paternity, none of that mattered. Because it was from the past. It was from, yeah, because he was like 21 at the time. Senator Lori Berman is of Palm Beach. So she finally, yeah. this last December, took note and got, <laughs> so, got, got it passed into law. Is that correct? So Senator Lori Berman and Representative Michael Grieco of Miami. So it's both, it's both filed in the House and the Senate, filed Grayson's Law. I am going up to Tallahassee on January 17th to, I have three minutes on the 18th to look into the, the Senate session and tell my story and, and to help get Grayson's law passed and, and run it through every channel that I can. I'm going to do as much press as I can at that time while I'm there. I'm going to make every single person in Tallahassee see my face and look into my eyes. And I want them to tell me that they understand what I'm doing and, and, and know who Grayson Kessler was. Can, can my listeners tune in? Will that be a live broadcast or is it a closed session? Do you know? I'm sure it's closed session, but I really don't know. Obviously, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for support, whether it's just emailing or, you know, calling, you know, local senators and house committees. And I'm not really sure exactly you know but i will post it all and i will make sure that it's available for everyone to help in any way possible
And I can let you know, we do an advocacy day for California for psychology, usually in Sacramento. But if there's a way to be meeting with state senators and, and if you're available to, to be present on that day, it's okay. a day it's a day to bring mental health concerns present. I, you know, if it's on Zoom or something else, yeah, this year. Yeah. But I know it's an opportunity yeah. to bring concerns present. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I've been in close contact with the California Protective Parents Association. And um, we actually, I, I sat in on a conference uh, with them, I think it was like October or November. And I, some of the stories that I heard, I mean, I you couldn't even make some of this up. I know I spoke to one parent that lost her child date. The child was with the father and was missing for two weeks and no, and nobody could find them. And to make a long story short, they finally found the body two months later, about a like few hundred miles away. And what was was so crazy is that they were still making her pay spousal support to her husband and pay for all of the legalities of all this while her son was already dead for for two months. I mean, just the, the stories that I hear are just, just insane, just insane. Like I said before, it's archaic. And, you know, a long time ago, I know when I was a product of a divorced family, laws were very different when I was a child. They had a doctrine in place called the Tender Years Doctrine, where, you know, I don't know all the details per se, but mothers pretty much got custody and fathers, you know, saw their child every other weekend or, or whatnot. Or, you know, obviously each case is different and then you worked out something. Today, it's not like that. Like I said, it's like if a father wants 50%, they get 50%. Even when they don't even want it, they pretty much are usually doing it to get out of paying child support. Uh, I'm not saying that's every father or mother, but there's there's something to say for, for that doctrine. There's there's something. when you, If a mother is asking for help, just believe her until there's a hearing. That's all I'm asking. If any parent is asking for help, just believe them because ultimately we're not putting the child safety first. We're putting the parents' rights first. And that's and that's what's wrong in our in our that's what the that's the ultimate flaw. Because the courts saw John's right as being number one when Grayson's right should have been number one. When I begged them for a, for the domestic violence injunction and I wrote in big letters, I fear for my child's life, I got a text message saying, I want to see your head separated from your body. I and, and there was a tracker on my car. Uh, what 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 is the harm in just saying, okay, approved until you know one week uh, until we have a hearing in one week? When I got the approval for the stalking injunction, we literally had a hearing set up for one week later. So that was that's all I needed was one week, one week to keep Grayson safe until a judge can listen to all the facts. Yeah, and they certainly with psychology, right? We can do a seventy-two hour hold with California and. Other states have maybe slightly different for mental illness, but there's certain ways to get temporary protection, and you'd yep. like there to be a similar protection for safety for children. Yeah, I have many ideas. You know, not all of it's going to be rolled out with Grayson's Law this time because, you know, I want to make sure this passes. But I also believe that if you're in a custody dispute with another parent and you're sharing custody, I also believe that while you're in disclosure, like we have to disclose our finances for, for child support assessment and stuff like that. I think the other parent should also be aware if there is a gun in the home. 
I'm not, this isn't for pro or against gun control. This is just, if my child is going to be living in your home, the other parent has a right to know if there's a gun in the home. That's something I feel very strongly about. That's, you know, that's something that I didn't even know John had a gun. When I filled out my injunction for domestic violence, one of the first questions was, is, you know, does that person have a firearm? And I had to check unsure. If I had checked yes, maybe it would have been different. Said I believe that if in situations like mine where you're not married and you're not living together and you're you're not even on the birth certificate, you don't automatically get that same blanket law of, oh, you want 50%? No, you have to prove it. I had to hand my baby to a stranger. It, it just made no sense. And so when you're met with other women that have been through this, I mean, is there supporters there more outrage just that has gone on or continues to go on oh i mean there's always continued support and a lot of outrage because like i said there are so many people going through something either similar or their own story that you know requires judges and and custody evaluators to really look at what's going on because there is a problem i mean even angelina jolie just backed Caden's law or the law that i said that is happening in, in pennsylvania because this is out of control of what's going on there is outrage there's you know i'm working with local groups called fact which is families against court travesties i'm working with a, another organization called one mom's battle I, I mean there's just so many part of the problem father group that are saying hey don't knock us we're you know father advocacy group and whatnot are fighting back again this isn't mother father this is parent. Statistically, it just shows that over the last 10 years, there have been about 800 cases where a parent has murdered their own child and, and filicide in just 10 years. And I hate to say it, but statistically, it, it is the father that does it. So this isn't mothers against fathers. I'm for parents as, you know, whoever the abuser is, it, it goes by parent from parent. You know, my, my concern is the child getting the, the safety first. I'm not knocking fathers. I'm not knocking mothers. I, I do understand that this could go both ways. It just didn't in my case. Right. And certainly I do have cases where men have had to sit on the outside waiting till the courts sure. investigated uh, child abduction. Yep, I'm not. That. Yeah, yeah it, it can go both ways. And that's what I, you know, I want to make it clear. This isn't about mothers against fathers. It's about, like I said, children's safety first and children's rights over parental rights. And if, you know, a, one parent believes that the other parent is an abuser in any form, not just saying cuts and bruises, then just believe them at least until you can get a hearing and, and show your, your evidence or why you believe so. So, Ali, what is your hope, right? You get your moment in Tallahassee. What are you hoping that those senators and representatives take away or, or put into action in their own power? Well, I mean, I'm hoping that when they hear what Grayson's Law is and what it means and what it means to so many other people, that obviously they, you know, run it up the flagpole and it gets packed. You know, obviously, if, is it going to happen the first day I go there? Probably not. I'm hoping that I can at least make enough of an impact that I can and meet people while I'm there, the people that I would need to get this done and just connect to the right network of people to make changes in this in this system. And this starts with Grayson's Law, but it doesn't just end there. There, like I said, there are so many things that need to be fixed. 
and I can write them all down, but getting Grayson's law passed and then ultimately keeping up with, with all of the changes that need to be made in our family court judicial system. Yeah. Where, where would you direct people right now? You have uh, graysonstories.org, what websites, what resources for those both interested in the legislation and those that may be even going through some of this in their own relationship? Like where can people learn more? Sure. Well, I'm in the process of getting graysonstories.org set up. There is a website that you can go to that I'm going to keep updating every day. It's a work in progress. I do hope to put a lot of resources on there for people to talk to, hotlines, stuff like that. It will be a non-for-profit, but until that's fully set up through SunBiz, right now I have fundraisers set up and GoFundMe set up. I'm also selling t-shirts of mom and gig tan prints that we actually did during an art project for uh, during COVID. And that's uh, 50% of the proceeds of those t-shirts or sweatshirt or other merchandise sales go to me. And that is, yes, not only to help meet my living expenses while I'm technically not working, but doing all of this advocacy is a full-time job. And all funds will go to all the advocacy moving forward for Grayson's Choice, Grayson's Law, and everything upcoming from events, fundraisers, everything in, in the future. I refuse to let this nightmare of my life just end here. I mean, my life could be over and I refuse to do that and let John have the power. He's already dead. I need everyone to know this story and to know Grayson Kessler's name so that moving forward, when someone goes to court and asks for help, lawyers and judges and custody evaluators have the correct training to look for the red flags that, that need to be seen to at least to at least make proper decisions and not just loosely based ones. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, moved and, you know, honored that you speak with such courage and make that choice. I know, right? <laughs> when I asked, right, is this something you want to speak about? You said, no, this is, I'm being the opposite of private, you know, with conviction. Yeah, I mean, what else am I, what else am I to do? I could, I lay in bed and cry. Yes. And then what, you know, go continue working on, you know, I do digital marketing and I'm a copywriter. So am I going to just get back to life as I knew it? No, I can't. I see his shoes at the door. I refuse to move them. I refuse to let this happen for nothing. They're, like I said, because this was hundred percent preventable, then this needs to be preventable for somebody else. Things could have gone very differently and it has to for others. Yeah. And you really keep Grayson's memory alive through your strength, through keeping his memory alive and for making sure that those of us who aren't thinking about it or even aware of these parts of the process, that it gets illuminated. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Like, the, you know, it's, nobody really understands what, what's going on in the back scenes of family court. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, you get a divorce or you split up and yeah, like you split, you time sharing. No, it's, it's so much more and it's not in the child's best interest. I don't believe any of it puts the child first. Do they ever investigate text messages and social media? I mean, a lot of the threats happen these days, not in the same traditional ways as they may have in the past. They are admissible in, in court. Um, in fact, we, like I said, we were supposed to be using an an app called Talking Parents, which is supposed to be so that lawyers and judges and custody evaluators can actually monitor the, the messaging going on between parents, but they don't. 
it was it literally John would write text me and then copy and paste everything he put in a text and put it into talking parents as well. And no, nobody monitors it. Nobody does anything. But yeah, I mean, that's that app was created exclusively for these types of issues. And obviously it did nothing right now. It's, you know, getting it in Florida Senate, like I said, there are many laws in other states that I know there the mothers going through similar things have, you know, just gotten certain bills passed in their state, you know, uh, specifically Kira's law and Caden's law. Eventually, you know, if this does move forward and, you know, Grayson's choice takes off in the way that I hope to in creating all the programs that I hope to start and create, then that would involve yes, going to other states and doing different advocacy there and having conferences nationwide with all of these other groups and mothers and parents, it could just go on and on. There's just so much change that needs to happen, but it has to start somewhere. And for all our listeners, how can they find, uh, if they want to stay involved, if they want to learn more, if they want to buy a t-shirt or support the cause, what's the best ways for them to connect i will have everything on the graysonschoice.org website so it's www.grayson g-r-e-y-s-o-n-c-h-o-i-c-e.org and i will have all of the information for all ways to donate and buy merchandise you can also get more information about the law and it links right into the uh, florida senate um, portal or they can also follow me on facebook and they could probably get all the information they want yes i see you're active and posting and the, the memories are you know feel like we're getting to know grayson a little bit more every day through you sharing those and i appreciate you you know bringing us close to he was, your heart he was uh, he was a special kid and i'm not just saying that because i was his mom he was he was gifted and it's a shame that the world won't ever get to see what he could have done or been. I literally just had a conference call with his uh, preschool teacher a week before he died, who told me that he was at kindergarten level and he was in pre-K three. I mean, that's something to be proud of. Absolutely. He was a leader. I'm going to keep his name alive. And if it's the last thing that I do, I mean, I, I will be breathing for both of us. Yeah. And, and my heart, want to you know express my condolences nothing takes away the pain of a loss of a child but the hopefully putting his name and memory to create change for others what will be his legacy certainly no child should ever feel unsafe or not be protected in their environment and proud to support you in any way we can uh, in california Thank through you. advocacy or through our listeners or just through uh, buying a few t-shirts certainly everyone can uh, come together yeah. and uh, spread a positive message these days, whether or not your face yeah. is masked, everyone looks at the shirt you're wearing. So. No, and it's, it's legit. Our, our hands are actual handprints on the shirt. It, it means a lot to me. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Allie Kessler, child advocate for joining us for reconnecting after all these years. And sorry, I wasn't a happier occasion, but I hope that whatever power we can to create a voice and to raise awareness uh, that we can support you in the work you do. I'm Appreciate just so that. thankful for you being out there and being brave every day. Just that as a model for other parents and mothers who, who grieve is is profound. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it's not something that comes easy every day. You know, like I said, it's some days I stay in bed and or I just cry. 
but ultimately it gives me purpose to to fight the fight mm. and if there's one one memory or one positive thing that grayson used to say to you that you want us to uh hold dear to us in closing today gosh there were so many <laughs> <laughs> there were just so many i mean he used to he used to say "Ugga Mugga," and it means "I love you." <laughs> um, it's from uh, it's from Daniel Tiger, his favorite show. This kid just wanted to go down water slides. He just wanted to watch Frozen, and he just wanted to have pina coladas at the pool. And that was <laughs> that was the epitome of Grayson. Um, he just, like I said, his smile and his laughter was just infectious. He would just make up silly songs uh, in any second, which was just like me. And um, there's really no one else like him, and there never will be. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you so much. And next time I'm scared of a water slide, I might have yeah. to go down okay. in his honor. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Thank you again for joining us today on the show. Sure. And we hope uh, over time you'll come back and update us with any changes and progress. Will do. Yep. Hopefully I have some more good news to share in just a couple of weeks. Thank you, Allie. What would you like us to know in closing, Allie? Um, everyone always asks me how I came up with Grace's name. There's actually a few uh, things that I was going through when I was trying to pick his name. And one of them was the lyrics of a Grateful Dead song, Every Silver Lining Had the Touch of Gray. I also had heard someone say something at the time on TV saying, life isn't black and white it's gray. And then all of a sudden something just clicked. And I was like, that's it. His name is going to be Grayson. And, um, you know, I, I always just focus on little lyrics here and there, even, even the song, you are my sunshine that says, you know, you make me happy when the skies are gray. And it's just, it's always been our thing. And I'd be like, you know, every silver lining has a touch of gray and it kind of is a sad thing to say, but for some reason it sounds happy when I put it in this context. Also, everyone keeps asking me, why did I choose Grayson's Choice uh, as the name of the, the nonprofit? And it's because for two reasons. One, whenever he would pick something, whether I said, you know, what do you want for breakfast or what do you want out of this? He would say Grayson's Choice, Grayson's Choice. And in this particular <laughs> instance, Grayson didn't have a choice because if it was his choice, it would have been to live and it would have been to live a long, happy life. So that is why I want this to be Grayson's Choice. Well, it's beautiful, and and you're right. It's the uh, saddest thing is that he didn't get a choice in where it matters most, and hopefully this advocacy, this awareness helps parents or those in the power to make legislation aware of the power of protecting, hopefully saving lives. Yeah. Hopefully. That's the goal. Yeah. Well, um, it's honored. I'm honored to be reconnected to you and uh, to support in any way, and I appreciate your courage and your strength and I uh, hope that any of my listeners out there that are impacted in any way will reach out to Allie and utilize her as an advocate. Thanks. Well, thank you again for all of you listening for such a sensitive topic for Allie Kessler, child advocate for stepping out and being brave and for helping us remember Grayson Kessler. Please uh, check out Grayson's Choice, G-R-E-Y-S-O-N-S choice c-h-o-i-c-e dot org and support Allie in any way you can whether it's by picking up a t-shirt or sweatshirt or for supporting upcoming legislation protecting children and their mothers from harm 
Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. Thank you.